Welcome to Best of Seven, presented by The Big Lead. I'm Kyle Koster. That's Liam McEwen. We're going to be doing our top seven picks against the spread for NFL Week 10. Week 9 did not go so hot for us, 2-6. and six. But I got to tell you, surveying the landscape out there, I would say that a 250 winning percentage on what was the oddest, most bizarre, most unpredictable week in the NFL that I can remember of the past several years – actually might not have been so bad. Liam, I think we should be sitting here happy that we at least got a single victory, let alone two. Yeah, I mean, anybody who was in our position of having, uh, you know, some picks and predictions on the line this week was sitting on their couch watching an abject horror as favorite after favorite was not only, you know, the games were not only closer than they were supposed to be, but most of the favorites lost. I just feel good that we managed to come out you know, with any wins at all, like you said, and you know, it's all about, all about the next one. And we're eight games over 500 for the entire season. We'll call that the deluxe Jeff Fisher with a little dessert on the side, a little free candy for you, a little spending money, the seventh best pick on the board. Let's get right into it. I'm going to say the Buccaneers laying nine and a half to the football team. Look, Tom Brady is the NFL's best quarterback. He's also 44 years old. He has a wide array of weapons around which he can improvise week to week. He will always find the hot hand. I think with both teams coming off a bye, there's not a person on the planet that thinks that the Buccaneers are not going to have the better game plan going into this. And really Tampa Bay realizes that the number one seed in the NFC, that's going to require near perfection because Arizona does look for real. I think that there might be opportunities for letdowns or trap games somewhere down the line with the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, but it does not come here against a football team that struggles to put points on the board and play with any consistency week to week. Any reason for me to not trust Tom Brady here, or is this just too easy, Liam? Uh, I think it's just too easy. The Bucs are coming off their toughest loss of the season to the Saints. Big divisional game, a very winnable game. They've had a week to stew about that. But it ultimately comes down to simply no matter what the circumstances are around this, the Washington football team's defense is heinous, atrocious. One of the worst in the NFL, despite the talent they have in the front four. And I have a hard time believing that they could immediately change that over the course of a bye week. Nine and a half is admittedly a little hefty, but at the same time, the biggest weakness of this football team is their secondary. And Tom Brady every week has looked basically like the same guy. He has one or two plays where he looks 44, but not one or two drives, not one or two games, just one or two plays. So nine and a half, if you're looking for a pretty safe bet, I think this is, this is where the money is. I love a nine and a half line. And let me tell you why, because if Tampa Bay gets the first touchdown of the game, guess what that line is? It's only two and a half more for almost a full game. I think over the balance, as long as Tampa gets out of the gate reasonably quickly in the first half, this one shouldn't be a sweat. What's the number six pick on the board? The number six pick for me, I really like the Cowboys over the Falcons. The Cowboys are favored by nine. So it isn't perhaps the best value on the board, but you just got to think about it like this. The Cowboys are coming off easily their worst loss this season. Nobody knows what happened there. It was a real shot to the arm, a reality check. 
whatever metaphor you want to use here to remind the Cowboys that, you know, they're not going to walk into the uh, Super Bowl. They're not going to walk into the, they're going to walk into the playoffs because the NFC East is a disaster, but they're not going to walk past real contenders. So with that in mind, combined with the fact that this Falcons defense is more or less the same as it was a year ago when Dak Prescott put up 40 points on them and there was offense galore all over the place. And the nine point line does not really seem that big. I think the Falcons are the Falcons of every year they've been in existence where they have a big win like they did with new Orleans last week. And then they're going to come out and completely lose their minds. The Cowboys are going to be playing really motivated and the Falcons just don't have the defensive uh, defensive capabilities to stop an offense with this high power. We're going to chalk that loss last week up to the weirdness that I mentioned at the top of the podcast. The worst thing in the world for the Falcons was that the Cowboys were down 30 to nothing after three frames. They responded actually somewhat decently in the fourth quarter with some cosmetic touchdowns, which don't matter, but they show that that offense can't be kept down for a full 60 minutes. They're going to be going in there motivated. Like you say, Dak Prescott's performance against them last year and his performance largely through the entire season, except for last Sunday, suggests that there are going to be quite a few points on the board. I think you take the Cowboys. I think that every good team, even the great ones, I think of the the Tom Brady team that got destroyed against the Chiefs and everybody was putting a nail in their coffin that went on to great things. Our number five pick this week are the aforementioned Denver Broncos. Two and a half point favorites over the Eagles. They're riding high off what might have been the most impressive victory of the year as we just went through. They are doing it without Von Miller. They're in this awkward purgatory of, are we competing for a playoff spot? Are we rebuilding? I think that that serves as a motivational tool and a carrot for a lot of players, especially led by Teddy Bridgewater, who has should have his own wing in Canton, I think, about saving a sinking ship and keeping things above board. He's kind of the Jeff Fisher of quarterbacks. That's two Jeff Fisher references in one podcast. We're going to set a record. The Eagles are just not consistent for me. They had an opportunity to win me over last week against the Chargers. They didn't show up. I don't think that they can beat good football teams routinely. I think that Denver's defense is real. I think that Vic Fangio wants to gum up the works. And honestly, if you give me the choice between Bridgewater and Jalen Hurts right now, I'm taking Teddy ball game. So let's go Broncos. Let's go big. I think that the Eagles are going to struggle to get to double digits in this one. Teddy two gloves over Jalen Hurts is a take for another podcast, but you know, looking at this in a slightly bigger picture, there are way worse betting ideas you could have than betting on both the hot team and the home team. They're one in the same in this situation. I also am not a huge believer of the Eagles. Nick Sirianni is still somehow getting his feet under him, even though we're in a double-digit week now. Jalen Hurts, I mean, the guy can complete passes, but generally short passes. The Eagles have only run the ball over the last two weeks, and I think and I think Vic Fangio is a little too smart to let the Eagles do what they want. And a two-and-a-half-point line, I mean, all they got to do is kick a field goal to win. You really think this is going to be less than that? I don't believe that. No, me either. This one seems pretty easy to me, but you know, the sting of last week is, is hanging fresh in the air. What's our number four pick, Liam? 
The number four pick is one of the more confusing lines on the docket this week. I love the Ravens seven and a half point favorites over the Dolphins. It seems baffling to me that this line is only a touchdown and change. The Dolphins will very likely be starting Jacoby Brissett after Tua Tungabailoa broke his fingers sometime in the last two weeks. They only just told us about it last weekend. These Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett are maybe a little bit more effective than the Tua Dolphins. You know, that's, again, another uh, an argument for another podcast. But the Ravens looked very impressive last week in the second half against the Vikings. A uh, two-touchdown deficit is nothing to sneeze at, even if it did come against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Picking Lamar Jackson to rip apart this defense like he did two years ago when he really took the NFL world by storm in the first true sign of his MVP campaign is a pretty reasonable bet this year. And I mean, it seems like the Dolphins got a more favorable line because they beat the Texans last week and they barely beat the Texans last week. I can't see the Dolphins getting where anywhere close to Baltimore this week. I think the thing about Lamar Jackson is that's so interesting is he's getting better. There's constant improvements to his game. He still has the capacity to be a playmaker with his legs, but his pocket presence and pocket passing has developed to a point that I think a lot of people are really surprised. He's less heralded than some of the other top tier quarterbacks, but when you have the privilege of kind of watching a full game with him, you understand how hard it is to get him and that offense, which is so smart and so dynamic off the field. And I think that Baltimore is never the sexy pick as like a Super Bowl contender going into the season, even the years when they win it or compete for it. I think that right now we got to start thinking about, hey, Baltimore is as good as anybody else. You're going to travel with Lamar Jackson. He wants to get that elephant off his back in the postseason. I think he's matured a little bit. I love his fire. I'm expecting big things for him. And also they have the best coach in the NFL, in my opinion, and John Harbaugh each and every single week going against the Dolphins team that is extraordinarily limited in the quarterback position, has a patchwork offensive line, is trying to build things out of, they're trying to build the whole plane out of Mike Giusecki, which great plan, probably going to crash sooner rather than later. No, I think that this one gets pretty ugly. It's not like the Dolphins are playing for a tremendous amount right now. The line is seven and a half, which is a little bit scary. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take the much better football team every single time. It's proven to be a winning strategy, and we're going to keep doing it. Our number three pick of the week is the Chargers. If you're sensing a theme here, yes, they are two and a half point favorites over the Vikings at home so intriguing to take the home team that is less than a field goal favorite now justin herbert answered a lot of questions last week with an enormous road win that stopped a slide and i still think that on his best day he can compete for a conference championship i think that they convinced some doubters this weekend against the minnesota team that is contractually obligated to play these nail-biting close games that are thrilling. But in the final two minutes, you're going to have Herbert or you're going to have Kirk Cousins. I think that there's an easy choice to be made there. I think that going to the West Coast is something that's always undervalued as something that's difficult from teams from the Midwest and the East. I always like the West Coast team 
in matchups like that. I'm going to take the Chargers, the ability to game break, to score a lot of points, and to just emerge over the balance of a 60-minute game against the Vikings, who have once again proven that they're the kings of getting close but not being able to seal the deal. Give me the Chargers. I feel really good about it. Yeah, I just don't really – I don't I've never had any idea what to make of the Vikings. They're very – frustrating and confusing team and my heart and prayers go out to all those who consider themselves fans of this organization it's the fact that they always get close and falter that is a little worrying but the line is small enough that field goal that I think it's a pretty good bet even with acknowledging that chargers at home is sort of a a real concept more than an actual thing right now I think Justin Herbert is good. I think that I just, I, again, it's hard to break down the Vikings defense because every single week they show up at the right moments and then blow it badly at the wrong moments. But I think the chargers are going to get a little bit of momentum going here. The, the game they dropped against the Patriots was a stinker, but last week, Justin Herbert answered the call to right the ship. And I think he keeps it going here. The number two pick for this week I'm feeling pretty good about this one. I know it might be a little contentious, but we have the Jaguars as 10 and a half point underdogs against the Colts. Now I want to be very clear. I have no faith in the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. There is absolutely nothing there outside of miracle throws from Trevor Lawrence that come once a quarter. Urban Meyer has no clue what he's doing up there, et cetera, et cetera. But the Jaguars pulled off the biggest upset of the season, in my opinion, by far, by providing pressure on Josh Allen using Josh Allen, as you might have heard. Their front four was all over Buffalo last week. That's why it was a 9-6 to slugfest. Carson Wentz is much worse than Josh Allen when he is under pressure. He's much worse than Josh Allen in general. But last week, Josh Allen looked like Carson Wentz. So what is the Jacksonville defense going to do to Carson Wentz if that's what Josh Allen looked like last week? Ultimately, I don't think the Jaguars win this game. Stay away from the money line. Even if you hate the Colts, I really am iffy about the money line out here. But 10 and a half points, I think the Jaguars keep it close enough on defense to cover that pretty easily, even as the away team. In the words of the great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Do not stay away from the Jaguars' money line. I say take that money line. I think that that win against the Bills, look, was it as gross as humanly possible? Yes. Did we get the great meme of Urban Meyer doing the Frank Beamer with a 69 score? Yes. Awesome. Very nice. You know what? That's still a damn good win. That proved that the defense is capable of shutting down a high-profile and high-octane offense. Now, Trevor Lawrence, week-to-week, he's not really where we expected him to be. I think expectations may have been a little bit high considering the talent around him. But you want to know what? I know that Urban Meyer just got a taste of winning. And I know that all things being equal, that could be a real rallying cry for this team. Like, if there was ever a moment where they were going to pull this season out – Keep it from going in the butter, in the butter, <laughs> turn that shit, <laughs> keep it from going in the gutter. That's it. And you know what? Weird things happen. I'm not totally sold on the Colts. They're a decent team. I don't think they have the capacity to blow many teams out every single week. Let's get nuts. I love the cover. And I think 
you sprinkle a little on the money line and we start talking, baby, we got a stew going. It's all about Jonathan Taylor when it comes to the money line and the cover, but I'm feeling good in the Jaguars, which is a sentence I never imagined saying out loud for at least another two years. Amazing segue because our number one pick of the week is a sentence that I never thought I would say out loud. I am beginning to have some honest doubt about Patrick Mahomes and his ability to put points on the scoreboard playing football. I don't know what world this is. This is unthinkable territory. But if you study the evidence, if his name was anything other than Patrick Mahomes, you would start to see the think pieces creeping up. The ringers writing, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? PFP is saying the Mahomes effect. I don't know what their content idea is. But anyway, they are a mess, a mess. And thusly, the number one pick is the Raiders. Also two and a half point favorites at home against the chiefs in prime time. We're doing it. I don't trust the chiefs anymore. You can't trust the chiefs. They barely beat the Packers playing Jordan love. They scored 13 points. What is going on? And when is it going to turn? They're going to play a Las Vegas team that is going to be up for the moment. That is shockingly still in the race for the division. I mean, If you're a Raiders fan, you might have sat down in your study or your den or your lobby or wherever you sit down and thought to yourself, look, if for the next five years, we don't have a realistic chance to compete for the division. Boom. One year later, realistic chance to compete for the division. I think that they're going to capitalize on it. I think that they're going to maximize their opportunity. And I think that when we're sitting here on Tuesday morning, we're going to have the conversation of, oh my God, the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. So there it is. Very risky. I can't believe that we're talking about fading Mahomes and the Chiefs and that offense. But I kind of think that we've seen enough that it's at least at least worth the calculated risk to take the small home favorite in the Raiders playing in a big primetime national television game. I've written about this a bit over at thebigleague.com, but for the first six to eight weeks of this season, there was still a very strong and firm conviction in my mind that the Chiefs were just going to turn it around one game. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to wake up, walk into the stadium, throw for 400 yards, five touchdowns, and everybody gonna, is just going to feel silly. And then weeks eight to 10 happened. We had week eight, Giants barely beat Daniel Jones with an offense that had none of its key contributors. Week nine, the Chiefs played Jordan Love need a first down in the last two minutes to put that team away. Even though Jordan Love looked very much like a guy who was making his first start in one of the toughest road environments in the NFL. There are legitimate questions here. And I think that the Raiders, a lot's going on, obviously. A lot's going on in Las Vegas right now. A whole lot of shit. A whole lot of stuff. They came out after the Gruden situation and won. They came out in the immediate aftermath of the Ruggs situation and almost won against the Giants. This is a team that follows its leader in Derek Carr and Darren Waller. They really, they really are, I think they're coming together here. I think they're coming together. And I think three points is 
a very it's a good bet it's a good value bet that's what it is you because eventually at some point Vegas is going to start realizing that the Chiefs are not going to wake up in the same way that I was just talking about but they still haven't yet and for until that happens get your money so those are our picks for week 10 we're hoping to do a little bit better Keep it tuned here. We're going to be doing this next week. As always, we also have the succession power rankings coming out on Monday. Check out Liam's press pass where he gets inside the minds of the media members who are making news all over your timelines. Check out my show, the Kyle Coster show. Keep refreshing the big lead feverishly to get our account up and get us paid. We appreciate your patronage. Good luck with your picks. I'm Kyle Coster. That's Liam McKeon. 